Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is the outlaw John Roca here from the Outlaw Nation Podcast Network. Well, if you like any one of the shows that you hear the audio for here on the Outlaw Nation Podcast Network and you want to make your own, well, let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free, which is great. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, which is pretty awesome. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's right. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's how it worked for me. It'll work for you. Welcome to this special episode of Game Time. I am interviewing Kyle Thrash. He's the director of this new Eagles documentary called Maybe Next Year. It's chronicling the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles and their run to their historic Super Bowl championship through the eyes of four very hardcore fans and I, I finished watching this one this morning and I put it on again right after I finished watching it because it's such a good and unusual documentary that it, I couldn't help but watch it all over again to really savor everything uh, that was being profiled here and I'm very excited to welcome the director of the documentary as I just mentioned him. Kyle Thrash is a New York based filmmaker uh, who was raised in rural Pennsylvania, born in Philly, he started out as a child actor and switched to the other side of the lens, filming stunt videos, skate videos, music videos, all, ha- all what have you and intimate documentaries. And this is certainly one of them. Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Great to meet you. Great to meet you too, John. Thanks for that wonderful intro. Of course, dude. I mean, you, your work is fantastic, man. I took some time on your website, looking at your uh, videos there too, as well, dude, you've got a great eye. You've got such a great style uh, and a great approach to these different type of media. Uh, tell me about maybe next year, man. How did you get involved with this? Have you, have you been an Eagles fan since growing up? Like what, how, what was your involvement in this? How did it start? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Pennsylvania, a pretty big uh, Philadelphia sports fans. Both my, both my folks are pretty big sports fans. So I grew up going to the vet, grew up, 
going to these tailgates, seeing the kind of crazy maniacs that these Philly <laughs> sports fans tend to be. Right. And felt like that would be a really good character study to kind of observe, you know, you know, characters through the season. And then um, the team kept winning and winning. And I ended up, you know, picking the right the right year to watch, you know, these these fans end up getting the first ever Super Bowl win. Wow. So this was almost a happy accident. You were already profiling this team. You just didn't know they were, they were going to end up with the Super Bowl. What an interesting thing to have happened for you. How did you come about? I'm sure there, you know, as a documentarian, I'm sure there were a bunch of stories that were being told to you, a bunch of stories that you shot. How did you settle in these four people that you profiled here in the uh, documentary? I like the, the four characters that we chose kind of represent different sides of fandom, whether it's, you know, Shirley with her passion, you know, and like just general positivity. And then Brian, almost the opposite with his general negativity and his mm -hmm. anger and making those rant videos that I feel like <laughs> a lot of sports fans can relate to when their team lets them down. Right. And then you have Barry who is, you know, kind of represents like obsession, you know, mm -hmm. someone who, you know, decided to not go to Florida and spend his retirement money yeah. on, on going there and building a house, but instead built the number one voted man cave in America, this huge, you know, 16, hundred square feet, uh, you know, man cave barn that mm -hmm. he invites all his friends over to. And then there's Jesse who kind of represents legacy with his, you know, his father yeah. um, passing on, you know, his, uh, um, his fandom and then trying to pass on his, his fandom to his son who has special needs. So I feel like between some of those attributes, I feel like, you know, I kind of represented different sides of what it means to be a fan. Right on. You know, I was born in Philadelphia myself on uh, uh, Jefferson Hospital. Yeah, my my mom is. Okay. She, you know, she. They're both my parents are immigrants, and they settled in Philadelphia initially for a few years before we moved down to Washington. But I was born in Philly. Was there for about a year. Obviously, you know, no concept of sports at one years old. But I've always had a strong like love for that city and connection for that city. I was an Eagles fan with Wilbert Montgomery and uh, Car Hill, mm. Carmichael and Jaworski for a while. That '80s uh, uh, World Series team, the Phillies World Series team with Steve Carlton and all those guys there. Uh, yeah. I was such a fan of them. And of course, as I got older, you know, you kind of you kind of move away, pick your teams and what have you by your location. But I felt like watching as a sports fan my entire life, I host a show. That's what we're on now. Game time, this section of it. But like I felt like I had been sections of all four of those people at different ages of my life. Uh, and I found that to be such an interesting part of your documentary that you could gravitate to pieces of all of them if you're anywhere near a sports fan or if you're a fan of anything you might you might have an obsessive nature about and that mirrors what these four fans were going through yeah i think when people get into things i see obviously you have a lot of books behind you so you know oh, yeah. like and you know uh pretty well read and <laughs> yeah you know i i think when people um get into something i feel like you know it you can you almost feel like you find your tribe a bit you know mm -hmm. you find your community you end up wanting to you feel in some way like you identify with those ideas those people that community in some way and i think that you can it slowly can take over your life in different mm -hmm. ways and take and take over your emotions and so i think that that's definitely what i was trying to you know show to the point where you then when you have a kid, you want to pass those, you know, those same, same things on to them. So right. I'm with you. I've definitely, my fandom has, you know, varied in, in different stages. And I feel like, yeah, there's definitely a, a bit of me and, and all four of the characters for sure. Yeah. Uh, the YouTube guy, I forget his name again. Is it Charles? 
Bryant. Oh, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Brian's re- that's my twenties right there. I mean, that's my twenties. <laughs> I was a uh, I was sure. a big Skins fan because I grew up in DC, so we became a Skins fan. That was my twenties when Joe Gibbs left, just kicking things, throwing things at the wall, tearing up living rooms. It's crazy, you know. And also sitting there going, "God, I wish I could get a girlfriend. I wish I could find somebody who could deal with this stuff." So <laughs> I get that, right? Uh, but as I get older, I started to find, I found as I was watching this documentary, I gravitated more to the older gentleman who built out his man cave and whatever, you know, I'm a soccer fan. So that would be Liverpool for me to do an entire mm-hmm. man cave like that. But seeing that, I mean, that was, that was so incredible. What was your reaction when you walked into something like that? You've been a f- fan of the Eagles, but like to this level must've, must've floored you. Yeah. I mean, he has like so much memorabilia. I just couldn't believe that i mean some things i couldn't believe existed like an eagles boogie board you know you're like wait what when did the eagles make a boogie board you know like you couldn't believe that there were some you know some of the items but you know he has the uh he has the dallas cowboys logo in yeah. in the bottom of the toilet so when you're <laughs> so when you're going to the bathroom you can you know do your thing on it I respect that. I respect um, so i felt that. like some of his uh some of the character and some of the personality that that he had i was just yeah i was blown away by you know all of the items and the length that he goes to to you know to keep up with it that you right. know we tried to show in the movie this 17 72 year old man you know mowing his lawn and, yeah. and making sure that everything's you know taken care of so he, he always has the best experience for the people that come over on sundays how much a responsibility did you feel uh showing these fans and their fandom of the eagles considering uh you know some of the stereotypes or the names that people have had for or, or the way they've looked at eagles fans in the past i mean you you do a good job of highlighting that by hearing you know like max kellerman and other people's mm-hmm. audio speaking about these fans how important was mm-hmm. it for you to represent them honestly but not uh make them a subject of ridicule yeah you know not to make them a subject of ridicule and also try not to sugarcoat it too much mm-hmm. too right like i i do think there is some truth to some of that you know i mean yeah. some of these events happen and i I wanted to explore it through a pretty objective lens. I think, you know, it's hard to be completely objective, me being a fan, you know, of right. the team and, and the city. Um, but I tried to, you know, I tried to definitely look at the psychology of like, what makes people do some of these things? Where do they get the bad reputation? What, what you know, um, what, what goes into that? What yeah. goes into a, a reputation for a city? Why do we have a, a chip on our shoulder? Why? Why do we have this pump the brakes mentality? Mm. And so I try to look at those things throughout the movie and, and hopefully the viewer can kind of get a deeper look at and a better understanding of where, you know, when when a, maybe when the next incident occurs or something may happen, maybe they'll be like, oh, those guys just care a lot. You know, they just right. they sometimes just get carried away. But it, it most of the time, I think it comes from a good place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know most fandoms that don't have this. I mean, most fans of teams that have been around for a very long time, they develop that kind of um, enduring and undying loyalty that gets passed on generation to generation. Certainly Boston had that with the Red Sox. And you see that here uh, with, I don't think you feel it as much. I mean, I'm on the West coast now. You don't feel it as much in LA, but you certainly feel it powerfully uh, with these Eagles fans here. Uh, were you, uh, how can I say this, Kirk? Were you shocked by some of this? Did it make you like take a step back about Phantom or did it make you even more of a fan, even more, I don't know, sympathetic or understanding of these fans as you got to know them more? 
I definitely, I definitely think it's beautiful. I think people expressing themselves authentically without any worry about how they look or, you know, mm -hmm. or, or any judgment. I think that that's beautiful. And any, and uh, with any self-expression like that, I think is beautiful. So I think, you know, a lot of these fans are completely unabashful. So I, I love that mm -hmm. authenticity and I love that this is who I am mentality. Um, there's a character, Father Mike, yeah. who uh, goes by Helmet Head. You know, we, we meet him in the parking lot. It's a Saturday. It's the, it's a, it was the Falcons game. And, uh, you know, you, you see him, um, you know, down there drinking beers, getting, getting the team, you know, getting his section rallied for an EAGLES chant. Mm -hmm. And the next day you see him at church mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm sitting through this hour long, you know, uh, sermon and very traditional, you know, very quiet, you know, just pretty, pretty standard. And right at the end, he goes, how about that game yesterday? Could you believe it? Julio Jones right through his hands. Like, I can, you know, I can't, I can't believe it. I love this team so much. We got two more games to go. And like, and then everyone's stepping up and look like cheering and going nuts. So I think what I realized that there's, you know, that fandom can take over anywhere, any person, any, yeah. any sort of event, you know, I think. You know, I, I think it it runs deep, and it and it's a it's a, a passion that runs through a lot of it's a, a lot of different diversity and mm -hmm. a lot of different age groups, and even in a place like church, that it it can still show itself. Yeah, did you find yourself plugging back into the city as you were doing this documentary? Have you always? had a very strong connection to the city or, you know, I mean, we do, you know, as, you, as successful as you are and going out and doing so many different things, um, did it make you kind of uh, plug back into the city of, uh, you know, a place that you kind of came from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to, I got to learn places I didn't know existed. I got to see the cracks. I got to explore mm. it in a way that I feel like I was, what I was trying to show was an authentic, view of philadelphia definitely how i view philadelphia and right. you know blue collar people hardworking, you know uh people and i feel like i tried to steer away from the the classic just you know everyday you know art museum you know rocky statue right. uh you know uh south street patch genos just like the stereotypical philly iconography mm -hmm. i tried to show off you know, Philly and the neighborhoods, the people, you know, just try to show some of the diversity and also some of the kind of the mom and pop shops that, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's filled with, you know, it's filled with generations of people that have lived in South Philly and other neighborhoods for their whole lives. So I definitely wanted to show off a different side of Philadelphia. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I hope that comes across in the film. I would say it does. Absolutely. You know, cause I mean, you're right. right. You can default to the easiest things that you can when it comes to the fan of any city but the fact that you're showing this kind of like the grittier side of things the real hardcore fans that are there year in and year out week in and week out living and dying with this team it was such a a, a great exposure to that and i gotta ask you did you there, there is no voice over here other than the voice of the eagles the announcer for the eagles uh, how conscious was that decision for you from the beginning? Or did you did you have some voiceover script written out and then decided not to go with it? What, what was your intention there? Yeah, I always wanted it to feel very present. You mm. know, I, it was a documentary about a time and a place. So I always, you know, there's hardly any people speaking with like 
video being over it. It's right. most of the interviews we did, you're seeing them speak on camera. There's no sit down interviews. There's no experts. I wanted it to feel very intimate and feel like everything they're saying, you're watching them say, you know, mm -hmm. on camera, you know, not rehearsed, no narrator. You know, I, I wanted it to just feel very, very present and intimate and human. So mm -hmm. hopefully those things are working towards, you know, the audience kind of um, feeling connected to the, the fans and, and giving them a better understanding on a yeah. human level. So, yeah. I say that you accomplished that uh, as a documentarian, you know, you shoot a bunch of stuff and then you got to cut. Are there stories that it pains you to cut that you really, really wanted to include, but at the end of the day, you just had to take them out to make it a more cohesive documentary. What was that? Uh, were there any of those stories you can tell or talk about? I mean, this is character Chuck, the tat man who has the most NFL tattoos of anyone in the NFL. So he has over a hundred some Eagle tattoos oh and he's the God. one at the end of the movie who gets the oh, yeah, score of yeah. the Super Bowl in his head. Yeah. Uh, wow. he, he has a pretty good story and uh, we followed him to the Super Bowl and, and shot him out in Minnesota, but it just yeah. felt a little distant. So he was an amazing character. Right on. Um, yeah, there were so many. I mean, honestly, everyone, um, everyone helped in some way, you know, with helping the film, mm -hmm. um, even if they don't end up on screen. I mean, the city of Philadelphia was so gracious with their time, yeah. uh, letting us into their homes, feeding us. You know, I ate, we ate so well everywhere we <laughs> go. Oh, you guys want food? Oh, just, yeah, here's something, you know, eat it on the road, eat it on the road. You know, everyone was so, uh, was so gracious. Yeah. Um, so all the stories that didn't make it still really helped the film, you know, shape. So yeah. every, 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 every character had a part. You know, you got to have a backbone of this, uh, to this country, <clears throat> any country really. And it's usually, it's people like this, you know, hardworking people, blue collar people. I've always respected that always um, appreciated that, you know, and you're seeing it here now uh, getting highlighted so well in your documentary. I, 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 I just, I would say me personally, I just loved seeing that, you know, there wasn't the, uh, you know, the, the guys in the boxes and whatever having their, their, you know, they're having their breaches or whatever. This was people who were like, live and breathe this stuff to the end. And you showed multiple generations, you know, all the way through, you've got shots of young, young people, male and female, older people kind of, and then, you know, even older people. And of course, um, I, I tell you, I was moved by uh, the gentleman whose, whose uh, father was, uh, you know, experiencing cancer. Uh, you know, my father died of cancer. So watching that expression, mm. the Super Bowl, where the Giants beat the uh, Patriots, that was the last Super Bowl we saw together. And so it was like, he died mm. about three, three weeks later. And so it was like that oh. moment, that seeing that and that living through his pain and talking with his mm. mom there at the kitchen table, I had those discussions. And so it's like, it was oh. incredible to see it, you know, uh, captured so well uh, by what you did. Cause you put just enough in it. You didn't, Oh, you know, it wasn't overdone. It wasn't melodramatic. It was there for you to track the progress of what was happening as the Eagle season was going along and her comment, how a victory by these Eagles would be even more than a better for him than chemotherapy was such a powerful line to see yeah i mean um I, I think sports um can do a lot for people you know passion like it's it's it in that moment it was normalcy for them you yeah. know being able to to watch it and um you know and to and to, to have that memory that you know cherish i think a lot of a lot of 
parents and the kids, um, you know, uh, spend a lot of time talking about sports. I know mm -hmm. I talked to both my dad and my mom more during, you know, the Eagles and Philly season than I do on the off season. You know, <laughs> it's like the most I talk to my, the most my mom talks to me is like, you know, who's coming in for the, from the bullpen for the Phillies. And then when they're not playing, it's crickets, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a way for, you know, a lot of people to have that common ground between family members. And yeah, we definitely tried to show that, um, you know, I, yeah, I love um, where he says, uh, you know, growing up, he, he thought of, he thought football was called get that mother effer because, yeah. <laughs> because that's all he heard his dad say was get that mother effer, get that, you know? So um yeah it's you know it's yeah. something for the family to do and i think you know you have those those types of real colorful memories that you have with your family so yeah. i hope i hope the film has you know can can do hopefully you know can remind people like your experience of, of what it yeah. what it was like with their family absolutely um what were some of the challenges that you didn't anticipate as you were shooting this documentary man i'm, I'm sure like we said or i said earlier like on your <clears throat> on your on your website there's a lot of different uh, uh types of uh, of uh, stuff that you've done what was unique about this that challenged you as a filmmaker uh and also as a storyteller yeah definitely what what we mentioned before like leaving things on the cutting room floor trying okay. to figure out what the right blend of characters is the right diversity being in more places than than you want to be at once you know each mm -hmm. game i mean you have to think as a filmmaker, I'm kind of like a gambler, right? Yeah. Where the Atlanta game, you know, which is the divisional round, I'm thinking, okay, well, we need to figure out if the story ends now, where, what are we going to do? Right, right. And, but we also have to be prepared if they run to Broad Street. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you have, to, you have to have a plan A and a plan B because you're documenting right. something that, you, that you're not in control. I'm not in control of the ending. The team right. is, you know? So... Uh, each week was, you know, was, was difficult in preparing to be like, okay, well, we could do this. We could do that. So by the time the Super Bowl came, I had multiple camera crews around Philadelphia, again, wow. one in Minnesota. So it was like, it grew to this thing. So it was kind of like, you know, very last minute. And, you know, and it was, it was challenging to, to feel like I wanted to be everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. because it's, you know, and it's, you know, you, you watch the news the next day and you see something, you go, oh, where were we? Why didn't we catch right. that? Like, it's it's tough to to feel like you want to make sure you're not missing anything. So you're gambling on where things are going to happen. You're gambling on where the cameras are going to be. You're gambling on if they're going to win. You're, you know, you're, it's just, it's a lot of, of just hoping and keeping your fingers crossed. Like, I'm hoping the team's going to do this. I'm hoping where our cameras are, right. are going to give this good results. So. Yeah. Um, it was a learning experience kind of going through something that I, I didn't necessarily have control of the story. Did you find that you were, you were good with your budget? Did you have to try to get more money? Did you have to, did, did people come and get more involved as they saw the season becoming what it was becoming? Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to, to partner with this company, Wavelength Productions. Mm -hmm. I was able to help with a lot of support and they helped us. Um, we had 914 pictures out of Philly help us with some of the editing and, and, and work with us and then bow and arrow out of LA. So I, I couldn't be more thankful with the partners that we accrued through the process to continue help in different ways and, and get us the, you know, get us the, uh, 
the the broadcast the, mm -hmm. the sports broadcast just partnerships and certain things that you know it, it started very small you know as a passion yeah. project and it grew into being like well we're capturing you know this right now and it, a lot of people helped out in a lot of different ways so definitely um you know it helped finding the right partners to get different aspects yeah you could all you could almost argue that this film is like what they used to produce you know for out of nfl films for every team they'd have that season recap or whatever and they'd put it out at the end of the year when it was over whether you won the super bowl or not you got one of those mm -hmm. or you could get one of those this is right. feels like it feels like the same thing but done from the fans perspective which i found that to be such a uniquely interesting approach yeah yeah we wanted to show something you know, we wanted to show something different, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, I, you know, I know that they, they, you know, the Eagles organization had put out content and it's, you know, you know, it's all about the players and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, we wanted to cover something that was, that was our own, you know, something a little bit more unique. And I, I, and that's why you don't really see a lot of football, you know, it really right. is about how the people are reacting to what's on the field. So the story is really about what's, what's being, you know, happening off field right and i felt like you know there's an ecosystem that kind of occurs you know and you kind of you see it when you go down to a tailgate and we wanted mm -hmm. to kind of capture that whether it's characters like we call the vultures you know those guys that hang out after games and pick up all the beers you know <laughs> uh you know or it's that sunny awesome. that, <laughs> the sunny that goes down and 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 on a scooter and you know and sings you know and does right. karaoke or it's the even the cops, you know, driving around with the police officers and getting their perspective. Like mm. I, I was trying to show different perspectives of what the tailgate and the fan community is like. Yeah. And none of that really has anything to do with the team. You right. know, it was really just about that. You know, some of the early influences was this was this doc card heavy metal parking lot. And oh yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, right. Like, you that know, that awesome. it's just, they're going to, you know, heavy metal concerts right. and, they're, and they're just capturing what it's like to be a metal fan, but just video, you know, just letting them be. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were, you know, that was kind of one of the initial ideas. So I, I'm happy that wow. I feel like while we have a lot of the stories, there's a lot of those moments where it's people, you know, a guy blowing up his hand with a firework, right. You know, it's, you know, it's, people puking it's people throwing getting thrown through a table like i was trying to kind of show what it feels like to be in that environment yeah um so yeah do you think it's the cold of the east coast that makes people do that because you're seeing it now in the bills mafia these guys putting right. each other through tables and stuff like do you think it's just the fact that it's so cold there you're just like oh sure i'm, I'm crazy and my senses are all heightened i'll do it whatever do you think that's what that's yeah. all about i mean it, i think it definitely plays a part i mean you're yeah. cold you start drinking early to get warm. And then before you know it, you're like, that sounds like a good idea. I'll <laughs> jump off this, you know? I mean, Bill's Mafia, man, like, is is bar for bar, you know, one of the best fan bases in the country. Agreed. Uh, you know, they do the, the ketchup and mustard on the guy with the hot dogs. They do the tables. <laughs> I mean, and and again, they, they lost four Super Bowls in a row. So yeah. you got to think, like, they've gone through it, too, that heartbreak, right. you know, through the Jim Kelly era. So I think... Uh, I think I think they're great. I think the cold definitely plays something into it. a little bit more hardened, a little bit more grit, you know. Mm -hmm. And on Sundays, I think it's like you know everyone's out there freezing. Let's have a good time. Let's warm yeah. up. Let's 
let's move around a little bit, you know. Let's throw each other through tables. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, the other part of this, and you mentioned something earlier, and I just want to touch on this. So I, as I was watching it, uh, and I didn't see a lot of NFL highlights, I thought, oh, it's probably licensing issues and money stuff. But this sounds to me like what you said was a, it was a conscious decision not to show too much of the highlights so you could just live the experience through the fans as they were watching these plays occur in real time as you were filming them. Correct. Yeah, all the footage is shown through TVs. Like, it's not, we don't ever cut to being like, here is high right. definition quality footage of the Super Bowl of the playoffs. Right. It's always it's always shown through you know through a television because yeah we always were trying to never kind of break to break that experience of this is about them watching it, not right. about us like remembering the game so much. So right. we have to we had to use the footage to make sure that people know what's going on and and for a little bit of entertainment. But it was we tried to keep it, the focus on the fans. Right. As you were doing this uh, throughout, did you uh, throughout the season rather? Did you hear from players? Did you have players reach out or members of the Eagles reach out to you? Want to be part of the documentary? Did you have to turn some of these players down or any of these coaches or representatives of the Eagles organization at all? Or would they just kind of let you do your thing? Yeah, we were pretty quiet. You know, we were we were honestly like full transparency. I just I didn't know how they were going to react. So mm -hmm. I you know we it's you know when you're shooting down at the the parking lots you know we were we were just going down there you know we yeah. didn't you know it's it's the public so you know your public space or your public property so you're allowed to you know film in certain parking lots but right. we just wanted to play it safe and you know so late, since then the eagles have supported the documentary and they invited me down to the nova care center where the team practices and i nice. got to you know i got to you know be there and watch a practice and stuff so they've been nice. really gracious but yeah it started out kind of just you know doing it on our own and not even letting anybody know right so. right what's your what's your uh, memory of it now in retrospect it's coming out now i mean you shot it back in 2017 2018 it's coming out now it's available now for those of you who are watching or listening to this interview it is available now you can get it wherever you stream movies uh uh there it's called maybe next year you got to watch it so What's your experience now emotionally as a filmmaker and as a human being looking back on that experience and looking back on this film as kind of a time capsule of a pretty incredible mm. season? Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel lucky to be, you know, in a time and a place where something I think really magical happened. You know, I think, especially in a time where we're um, divided, but yeah. also like not being with each other, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't get to have tailgates right now, you know, right. It's, for me, it's a, it's a, I'm glad I captured that, you know, I think it's a good memory. I think hopefully we'll come out of this and we'll all be able to go back to the games the way that we, that we used to do. Mm -hmm. But it, for me, it's definitely, it's, it's special to, to watch that and remember how much fun the games can be. Cause it definitely feels different, you know, watching the games at home and not being there with people, not being able to go to the games and not yeah. being there with all my friends and family watching the games. So that's, that's really nice. And yeah, it's, you know, it's emotional for me. And, uh, and exciting maybe is even a better word because it's my mm -hmm. first, you know, it's my debut feature. It's came out today and, right. you know, um, it's really cool to see the reaction and even hear from people like you and, and, you know, to talk about it. And so it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So time will come soon enough when we put each other through tables again in the cold, <laughs> in the cold of Philly for sure. I can't, I can't wait. wait. I can't, I can't wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't find that in LA. They don't do that in LA. Uh, that's a yeah. shame. Uh, but another thing I'm asking you a really cheesy question, Kyle, do you, 
has this changed you at all, man, doing this documentary, you know, having this whole experience as a, as a filmmaker? I mean, I asked you about what you think about Fawnley, but like, has it changed you internally in any way? Yeah, I think every every project I take on changes me in some way. And okay. this one for me, uh, you know, I, I got to I got to see how deep fandom runs. For me, it, it really comes back to like, you know, it reinforced a lot of what I thought about the team. And I I was able to uh, in the fan base and, you know, kind of represent where that heart comes from and all that grid. And uh, I don't know, I just I, I have such an affinity for the fan base and for that city. So um, it definitely, I guess, it just reaffirmed a lot of what I believed and, and showed how how deep that love runs. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Do you have a project that you're already working on now that you're thinking about doing next uh, that you can talk about at all? Sure. Yeah, I leave yeah. for Flint, Michigan on Friday. I'm Whoa. working on a documentary about um, with the, the nonprofit Last Prisoner Project about um, this um, uh this man who was incarcerated uh, back in 1994 for selling three pounds of marijuana. He was okay. sentenced to 42 to 60 years, you know, an insane sentence wow. under the habitual offender law. He's up for clemency. Um, and uh, basically the story not only is about him, but it's also about um, as, you know, as weed begins to legalize around this country, we have to remember that over 40,000 nonviolent people are in prison for you know selling or using marijuana and we have to remember that we have to look at these people's cases as people continue to make you know a lot of money off of legal marijuana yeah. you know michigan you know in flint it's it's legal recreationally to you know to buy marijuana and smoke where marijuana if you're right. if you're 21 so we have to remember that there's a lot of people that have been hurt hurt you know by the war on cannabis over mm -hmm. the past decade so um, we're putting a spotlight on that, on how we how we got to this place and, and trying to create a path forward and using Michael's story told through mm -hmm. his family um, as they fight for him to get out of prison. So his, wow. his public hearing is on Tuesday. So we're hoping we're going to get some good news soon from the governor, mm -hmm. um, who hopefully he'll be out uh, very soon and be, yeah. and be able to be reunited with his family. That's so. Governor Whitmer, right? Gretchen Whitmer. Governor Whitmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Subject yep. to that uh, possible... Um, uh, kidnapping. Yeah. It's so uh, interesting, interesting how the world works. And of course there's so many levels to that. Cause we just saw what I think in Oregon, they passed lo yep. the law uh, that you can have certain amounts of any recreational drug almost, and yep. you're okay. And you won't get uh, put in, in jail or anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how things change as we become more comfortable as a society with certain things and start to look at these things. And certainly that idea of putting people in prison for something that, you know, is a, a, a small amount of, of uh, drugs to go to that level is insane and th there has right. to be a balance so i'm glad you're taking that on man it's going to be fun uh i mean not fun but it's going to be interesting and educational to watch i'm sure yeah hope hopefully it's enlightening hopefully it you know will help a lot of other people that are in the same situation mm. um again it's you have to think about it, it's like we're at that we're at that corner of like you know a prohibition really being yeah. in the same yeah. way you know alcohol and you have to think there were a lot of bootleggers that were in prison that you know that were you know for for illegally selling booze and yep. you have to think about you know ex, you know resentencing granting clemency expunging their records yep. as as marijuana becomes legal and also giving them a place in the marijuana industry so mm -hmm. that they can you know profit off of what really you know the war on drugs was really uh you know has been a proxy war also yeah. for race you know yeah. in this country so 
so yeah, I'm cool. I'm excited to to tell his story and to be with his family this Friday in Flint and hoping for you know positive news out of the public hearing on Tuesday. Cool. All right. Well, I'll ask you two last questions before we wrap up, real quick. One, were you able to enjoy these games even though you were documenting them? Did you have to kind of remove yourself as a fan and become only a director? So is it kind of bittersweet or were you able to really indulge in the victories that they were having that season? I mean, there's a moment during the Super Bowl and in the movie where you can see me for a split second because I couldn't believe, I think it was the Brandon Graham strip sack where I just was going bananas and I just couldn't (laughs) couldn't care less that we were filming, that I was working. I just couldn't care less because I just was so excited. So yes, I was definitely constantly towing the line between being like, this is insane. We're doing it. To also being like, make sure we get that shot over there. Can we get a close up? You know, it was like balancing the line between right. those those two energies. <laughs> and one last question: Was did did any of your crew get hurt when uh, Brian was, was was tearing up his rooms or throwing stuff around? Did any of that experience kind of damage you guys in any way, shape, or form? Because I, I was I found myself reflexively ducking at times when I was watching the movie because he's so you know powerful when he's doing his anger throughout the yeah. whole, those videos not not in any of the Brian scenes but we did get a bottle thrown at the camera during the riots and wow. there was just obviously during the riots there was yeah. just you know people getting shoved and it was you know we it was it was mayhem during the riots but right. Brian Brian uh, took it easy on us when we were there. Uh, in, at least in that respect, he, you know, uh, he, he didn't hurt us too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, uh, did you guys, were you guys in danger at any time or was it only the riots that you really felt any kind of danger while you were shooting? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, da- you know, danger. It's oh. not like I was, you know, right, it's not right. like I was really scared or anything like that. Right, you right, know, right. the, it, it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a big energy and you're making yeah. sure that your crew is safe and the gear is safe. You know, when the, the bottle hits the camera, we're making sure that the camera didn't break and, right. you know, so no, I was, we, we felt fine, but it was, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's re- really the energy in, in that type environment. Um, and the parade environment and a tailgate environment mm-hmm. is very much like you're always kind of like looking over to your shoulder to see like, you know, like the firework going off. You oh, know? yeah. Like we all, you know, that's a good example of we all of us like, you know, the camera like spins <laughs> and we're like, you know, ducking from this firework that was supposed yeah. to shoot in the sky and instead blew up right on the ground. So, you know, it was a lot of definitely watching our backs for sure. Right on. Right on. Well, it was great to see, dude. I got to tell you, Kyle, I thoroughly enjoyed it. As I said, I already watched it twice. I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point in the future as well. It's called maybe next year. It's out now. Everybody, even if you're not an Eagles fan, if you're any kind of sports fan or a fan of anything that you are, you know, you're crazy about or obsessed about or that you just love, this is a documentary that will speak to you and is available on all platforms now, right now for you all to watch. It's an hour. It's a brisk hour and 22 minutes. It's over before you know it. Uh, and it's a fun experience that you want to share with anybody who's into uh, these kinds of things for sure. And of course, as Kyle mentioned himself, it is a feature film directorial debut. So go give him some love, new talent. It's always good to support new talent when they come on the scene as they've come, as they've built their career up and their resume up. So Kyle, thanks dude. Thanks for taking the time, man. It was great to meet you. Yeah, you too, John. I really appreciate your support, you know, and, and saying all those kind things about the movie and having me on, man. I pre- I really appreciate the conversation. Man, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. 
KyleThrash.com is where you want to go to see his other stuff. You can follow him. You see the social media on the graphics that are there. Go and follow him and all that stuff and then support what he's got going on. Okay, as for us, please don't forget to subscribe to the channel down below, the Outlaw Nation channel. Give this film a like and share this. Uh, uh, sorry, give, give this video a like and share this video on your social media. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time with another interview episode here from Game Time.